Good morning, church family. Good to see you on this uh, bright, Sunday, Sunday morning. We are excited to worship with you today. Looking forward to diving into the Word. I invite you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Last Sunday, we began a brand new series entitled Proclaim, Sharing Jesus Without Fear. We, over the next several weeks, we're going to be learning what it means to share our faith uh, at home, at work, in our city, in our schools, and uh, what it looks like to do so with confidence, sharing what Jesus Christ has done in, in transforming our lives with our community, with our uh, sphere of influence. And so often due to a lack of knowledge or experience or fear of the own, unknown, we remain silent when Christ has called us to go and be a witness. We are God's plan for sharing the gospel with the world that's dark in sin. And church, a lack of knowledge and a lack of confidence or a lack of experience will lead to a lack of confidence in sharing our faith. Whatever field you serve and you work in, uh, tomorrow, if you're confident, if you have studied, if you have prepared, if you have educated yourself and you go into your marketplace, that workplace, and, and that's your realm of, of experience you're speaking with authority, with confidence, and you, you're, if you're a doctor, you're instructing your patients how to, to live healthy lives. If you're a mechanic, you're talking to the, 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 uh, the car owner or the truck owner, and you're talking about what's going on, and you, you show them what the solution is and how to fix the problem they have. If you're a teacher, you're giving instruction, whether it be uh, the old school way where you give notes and they're having to take notes, or it's on a screen or on a video or, or however your kids are learning. You use those opportunities to share knowledge. If you're a banker, you talk to people about how they can invest and, and make those things. If, folks, whatever realm you're in, those are the areas that we speak with confidence. And the same should be true in sharing our faith. We want to encourage the church to be bold and to not just sit idle when we're encountering people from every walk of life. When we have the truth of the gospel, God has called us to go and make disciples of all nations. We must and we can do better. This morning, I want to share with you a resource. And over the next several weeks, we are going to be sharing every Sunday uh, a different resource. And I, I say this, sometimes people say, Pastor, what's the best Bible version? And I, I normally preach out of the ESV, but I'm like, the one you'll read. All right. The best version is the one you'll actually read and apply to your life. What's the best resource or method? The one that you'll use. And so I'm going to share something. I actually first saw this in college at uh, uh, the church I was attending in college in Florida. Uh, used this, uh, it was a, a track, and it, it's very old school in some senses, but I have kept one of these in my Bible, and I've led some of you in this church to faith in Christ using this very resource. And so uh, maybe this is something you can identify with. I want you to, when you leave the building this morning, there are gonna be, there's hundreds of them in English and in Spanish. Uh, we have tracks in Portuguese. We have uh, tracks in all different languages. We want to put in your hand. We have some in Romanian, and we're going to use those. Uh, we're going to give that. We have people in our church that speak Romanian, and we want to put these resources in your hand. And we want you to use in, in opportunities that God gives you to share the good news of the gospel with people, family members, uh, neighbors, coworkers, friends. Today it's called God's Bridge to Eternal Life. Some of the things are going to show up on the screen as I talk through it. And I'm going to just very briefly, and next week, uh, Pastor Jackson, our student pastor, is going to be preaching. 
He's going to share an app that you can use on your phone, and, a, and there's a website you can direct people to that people have questions about uh, the Bible, about life, about creation, about God, and, and he's going to direct you to that app as another resource in sharing the, your faith. Sometimes people say, well, I'm afraid they're going to ask a question I won't have an answer to. Folks, I shared last week uh, in, in an opportunity, we had a mission team. Uh, on the mall in Washington, D.C. and encountered two people that were from a Muslim faith. And, you know, as a pastor, having gone to the college and studied, uh, I was going in my mind, like, all right, what do the Muslims believe? And, and how do I share the truth of the gospel and what, the, what they need to believe about Jesus Christ and who he is? He's not just a, a good person or a prophet. He is the son of God. He's deity. And, and so sharing our faith is vital. So as you leave the service this morning, grab some of these Put them in your Bible. Put them in a place that you'll frequent. Put them in a place you'll see often. But we see God's purpose. How? What is God's purpose and plan for us as followers of Jesus? And what does God want us to use? He created us to honor and to worship Him. And 1 Corinthians 10 31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. God has given us a command to worship him. He created us. We're created by him and for him. And so these verses of scripture are are, uh, spelled out in the track. Then you go on to the next one and we talk about man's problem. And ultimately God created man, placed him in the perfect environment in the Garden of Eden. But man sinned against God. And so man's problem is a sin problem. And Romans 3.23 says, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. So what we want to teach people is, hey, we're not perfect. All of us, myself included, are sinners desperately in need of a Savior. And so it spells all of this out here in a couple weeks. We're going to give you a, a list of verses that we want you to begin commit to memory. So when you're talking with people, you have confidence and you can share your faith with confidence. But talking about man's sin problem and what that looks like, this penalty of, of sin is death. And Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what we're doing is we're trying to encourage people to understand God loves us. He doesn't want us to spend eternity in a place called hell. And and because of our sin, the word of God says that we have died spiritually. And so he wants us to understand the penalty for sin is is death. And and we see that graphic in the track. Then how do we ever have eternal life? How do we discover eternal life? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the what, church? The gift of God not as a result of works so that no one may boast. You see what happens is if we were trying to pay for our way to get to heaven, there's all these things that people try to do and they say, well, I hope that I'm going to live a, a good enough life. I'm going to do enough good works. I'm, I'm going to church. I'm giving money. I'm, I'm a moral person. I'm a good person. I, I give to the poor. I give to the needy. All these things do not equal eternal life. They will not get us to heaven. And so what we want to do is use it as a visual to show people what God talks about. It will make a way for us to go to heaven. Christ's payment, our sinless substitute is found in Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died To me, I'm a visual learner. That's why I always use slides. But when you see the payment that Christ made on the cross, and I'm the first to admit, this is super old school, but the the plan is so simple. 
A child can understand the gospel. I, I talked about last week how I accepted Christ at the age of five and, and I understood what Jesus accomplished on the cross was the payment for my sin and I had to receive him as my Lord and Savior. So Christ's payment pays for our sin and then our pardon is to turn from our sin and trust in what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Whoever, it says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved, Romans 10, 13. So what you're doing is you're sharing with them, in order to be saved, I've got to turn from my sin, my sinful condition, repent of my sin, and turn toward a Savior who loves me, who died on the cross, and his payment makes possible my right relationship. What is God's promise? He promises us eternal life. He promises us eternal life, and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. So it promises us eternal life, a right relationship with God. And, and I love that when you, and then you ask him, will you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That last slide says, admit that you've, that you've sinned. Believe in what Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. And then call upon Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. It's one, it's one tool. It's one resource. We're going to introduce a number of them to you over the next uh, two or three weeks. And we want you to utilize them and, and, and put them in your arsenal and use them. Because the Word of God tells us that we are to go forward as witnesses uh, for Jesus Christ. According to LifeWay Research, most Protestant churchgoers say they're eager to share with others about Jesus they're praying for opportunities to share their faith, but 55% say they have not had one gospel conversation in the last six months. Not one. We're failing. The great commission or the great omission? Or are we failing at that one job that God has given to every believer that he's called us? Hispanics are the ethnic group least likely to say that they've not spoken with anyone. So they are the most uh, about sharing the faith uh, of Jesus Christ and what he's done. That because their relations, they're very relational people. And, and, and they, they share about uh, coming to faith in Jesus. Only 32% say they have not shared their faith in the last six months in the Hispanic community. Those who attend worship services four times... Uh, a, 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 a month, rather, are, are the least likely to say that they have not shared or had an evangelistic conversation in the last uh, six months. So those, there's a direct connection to the, the type of relationships that we have and, and how tied in we are with the body of Christ and growing in our faith with how often we share the good news of the gospel. Most church scores, 55% say they have, however, invited an unchurched person to a church service or program in the past six months. So they may not have shared the gospel, but they've invited someone to church in the last six months. Easter is nine Sundays from today. All of us can do something 
And I want you to encourage you to be praying now. God, who is it that you want me to invite to join us for Easter worship that they might encounter a relationship with Jesus Christ? There's so much work to be done in the church. If we're ever going to live up to the potential that Christ has called us in our mission and our calling. Our mission here at Calvary is together we lead and create disciples of Jesus. And church... If we are not all committed, if we're not all in, if we're not jumping in with both feet in that mission, we are failing miserably our city and ultimately the world around us. In Matthew chapter 28, uh, Jesus says, he says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, I understand in a, a context of, of this series, it's primarily geared toward Christian people and our responsibility and how you called us to go. And, as we're going through life, we're to be making disciples and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Teaching them, discipling them, equipping them to be all that you've called us to be. God, would you speak to our hearts this morning? God, give us a, a passion uh, to reach our city. God, give us a, a passion to reach the lost around us. And as we're watching the, the signs of the times that are unfolding before us, God, may we not go discouraged, but may, may encourage us to be faithful in our witness, God, and until you come to take us home, may we be found faithful and about your business, doing the work of the ministry. God, I pray that this morning as we see the Great Commission, we would see the plan that you have for the church for today. And God, the mission you called us to be about, God, would we rise up and be passionate and bold proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the person here today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, God, may today be that moment that they understand that your Holy Spirit convicts them of their sin. And God, that they would repent of their sin and turn to the Savior this morning. May we receive that grace and, and experience life-transforming power this morning. We give you all the praise and honor and glory for what you're going to accomplish at all. Everything you're going to do this morning, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Great Commission is the responsibility of all of Christ's disciples. Disciple-making is a command. And so sometimes people think, hey, well, Pastor David, that's what the pastor does. That's what your, the leadership of the church does. That's what our, our staff, our, our, our deacons, our trustees, that's what all these people are involved in making disciples. But me, I'm just a, I'm an attender. I just I come to church on Sunday. I, I may serve occasionally. Uh, you may see me hand out an invite card from time to time. But that's basically the, the crux of what I'm going to do as a follower of Jesus. Discipleship making or disciple making is a command for all Christians. He says in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. In other words, there's a call. There's a, a calling upon our lives. He says as we're going through life, we're to be teaching, instructing, making disciples of all nations. This is a command given to all followers of Jesus. And it's the great commission it's not to be the great omission. Look at where Christ is coming for, from in verse 18. He says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Ultimately, the Word of God is our authority here in this life. And, and, and he, he, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. We have the Word of God. We know what it says. But He's commanding us. He says all authority is given to Jesus Christ. All authority. When we, we get saved, we often talk about receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior and making Him Lord of our lives. And we do choose. We make a decision. He doesn't force us to. But we choose to follow Jesus we choose to give him first place or, or not to in our lives. But folks, the reality is it does not matter whether you believe him or not. He's still the final authority. He is the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. Folks, he is sitting at the right hand of the father in heaven. He is Lord over all. His authority is certain. So when we truly understand the reason that Christ has left us here on this earth, He's given us a calling, a command to go make disciples. And he is the final authority. If 55% of the church this morning has not had a gospel conversation with anyone in the last six months, we are failing at the Great Commission. And I'm including myself in that. We're failing miserably. We had one job. Think about it. I saw a picture circling around this week, and there's a house, and the driveway does not connect to the garage. You see that picture on, on, on social media? It's like there's a, there's a sidewalk that goes around the front of the garage, but the driveway is on the side and doesn't connect. Like they had one job. <laughs> Make a driveway that connects to the garage. So now you have this house, and you have a, a big old two-car garage. It doesn't matter. We fill them all up, fill up with junk anyway. But the reality is, is they had one job. We have one job as a church is to go and make disciples uh, uh, of every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And the reality is we have that. But we learned last week 56% say that they pray at least once a week for an opportunity to share the gospel. Yet 55%, according to Life Research, LifeWay Research, haven't done it one time in six months. What does this equate to? We are not fervently praying for opportunities. Uh, a young lady, one of the college students, said something to me. I saw her yesterday. She said, Pastor David, she said, last week what you were talking about, she said, now this week I was having a conversation. And she said, a lady at work that I encountered, I got to pray with her and, and encourage her. And she said, I left. I was like, that's exactly what Pastor David was just talking about on Sunday. When you're praying for opportunities, God gives us opportunities every day it might be in the checkout line it might be the person who's delivering your doordash it might be the person that you encounter tomorrow at the copier or, or in your office or in the break room or uh, having lunch at, at chick-fil-a wherever it is god gives us opportunities daily to share the truth of the gospel we've got to be praying what does it equate to we aren't praying enough for souls to be saved we must have compassion on the lost of our city that moves us to action in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Paul writes, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. My, mom's was, my mom was so passionate about sharing the gospel. If you encountered my mom, those of you that got to know her uh, over the years, she was so passionate about witnessing. And when she, I always said, if you got on her prayer list, you had to die to get off of it. All right? <laughs> My mom, I mean, she was a prayer warrior. In fact, 
even today, we're, we're coming up on two years in March since she went to be with the Lord. And, and I'm thankful she, she had a, a great relationship with God. And there's no, we're so confident of where she's at this morning. But folks, as she was praying, she prayed for so many people. And there are people all across this church that said, I'm so thankful your mom didn't give up on me. She would call me and invite me to Easter Sunday. She would invite me to Christmas Eve. And, and, and in our own family of, of just five growing up, I mean, mom put the entire family, my dad included, to shame in her ability to connect with people and share the good news. But she was the most timid and shy person. And she wouldn't talk to a, a, a mouse if, if, on, on a normal day, but she was so passionate. And at her funeral and over the last couple of years, I can't tell you the people that have said, I'm so glad your mom didn't give up on me. She faithfully called. Some of those people are now teachers in our church. They're teaching their own, discipling people themselves. And they're people that have grown in their faith. And they're like, I wouldn't be saved today if it wasn't for your mom who did not give up on me. And folks, we, he says, my, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that I might be saved. Jesus' authority gives us confidence. Last week we looked at being a contagious Christian. His Holy Spirit empowers us. It enables us. And Christ's authority gives us confidence as we go forward to make disciples. One of the promises we have as we engage the lost world uh, is that the gospel will save. It's not my job to save you, but I'm thankful what Jesus Christ has done will change our lives. It will bring about life change. I've seen gospel transformation take place right here in this church on a weekly basis. On a consistent basis. Ivan, I'll never forget, sitting on my screen porch at my house, we were neighbors for a number of years, and I remember him sitting on my, my back porch, and I said, Ivan, can I share the gospel with you? Can I, I share from God's word? Went through Romans and what Christ did in Ephesians and Hebrews, and you know what he said? He said, I did that a number of years ago at a retreat. But you know what he never learned was the relationship side. How to grow as a Christian. I remember when I, I took him into my life group and began to encourage him. And I was sitting with a group of guys and we were sitting at the Smithfields across the street. And I said, this is the passage of scripture we're going to read this week in our devotions. And then we're going to be memorizing 1 John 5 11 and 12 this week. I'm telling you, Ivan, but I know, I, I know he's not going to be upset. Afterwards, he said, Pastor David, I can't do that. I can't memorize some verses of Scripture. Ivan grew up Catholic. You go to the Catholic Church, they tell you, they, they, they share the, the Scriptures with you, but they don't teach you how to dig it. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's, it's how it is. The priest gets up and gives the, the, the lesson to the, the, the homily. But the reality is, is he was never taught how to open the word of God and read it and memorize it. He says, I, I can't do that. And I said, you can. And we're going to encourage you. And we're going to. The next week we gathered at Smithfields. And you know what we did? Actually, we did it at my house that night. We gathered around our kitchen table, and there's seven guys sitting around this table. And all right, who, who memorized 1 John 5, 11, and 12? And 
I memorized that in Awana as a seven-year-old, as a kid. I went to Christian school for all 12 years. I went to a Christian college and took Bible doctrines, and I'm going to just tell myself, your pastor failed Bible doctrines the first time he took it in college. So those of you that are saying, man, uh, you say, why is that? Because of the scripture memory, Ivan. We had to write verses every single week. We had tests every time we went to Bible doctrines class on scripture that we were learning that week. And then the teacher had the audacity to go back and he could choose any of the previous verses you had learned for the entire semester. And at the end of the final exam, he would have an exam that was cumulative over all of the verses you had learned all year long. Your pastor did a, got a D. And you can't be a pastor and make a D in Bible doctrines. So you had to start all over. And I remember the second time sitting through that class going, dear God, I mean, I, I don't know what I did wrong. I was a pastor's kid. I mean, I paid attention in church. I grew, went to Christian school. I went to Awana. I got the Sparky Award. I, I got all those awards from Awana Club. And somehow I failed Bible doctrines. I mean, how is this even possible? But the reality is it's hard. And as soon as Ivan sat across the table, I said, you know what, Ivan? I said, I learned those verses at seven years old, but I learned them in King James. And for your sake and the rest of the group, I relearned it in ESV. And so your pastor is going to set the standard and quote the verses in a completely different translation than what I learned them growing up. And I quoted 1 John 5, verses 11 and 12. We went around that table. Every single guy said their two verses. We get to Ivan. He quoted 1 John 5, 11. Proud of you. That's what discipleship looks like. You know what? I watched him learn how to share his testimony, how to share his faith, how to pray, how to beg the throne of God. And hear God speak and transform life. We've seen that in here all across the United States. I've seen that happen in Nicaragua many times. In Mexico, we witnessed it in Brazil several times. Canada, Romania, India, and countries all around the world. As we, I'll never forget seeing over 2,000 people in one crusade in India get saved in one service. I was sitting there literally pinching myself going... This has got to be just a glimpse of what Pentecost looked like for the, for the disciples as, as we witnessed literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And we had got all of the decision cards that people had made decisions, over 2,000 in a rice paddy in northeast India gave their faith, their, their life to Jesus Christ. Folks, that's what discipleship looks like. That's what being a witness and making disciples of every tribe, tongue, and nation looks like. Christ's mission will succeed because his authority guarantees it. Secondly, disciple making is a continuing process. Verse 19, the second part says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. What happens is, he says it's a process that's continuing all the time. Discipleship is not something we wake up one day and we're done. What Christ modeled to his disciples all throughout his earthly ministry was a day-by-day process as he continually poured into them. When the time of his earthly ministry was wrapping up in Acts chapter 1, he was commissioning them 
to continue proclaiming the gospel to every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's an ongoing process. We don't finish until we enter the presence of the Lord for all of eternity. Dawson Trotman said this. He said, the gospel spread to the known world during the first century without radio, without television, without the printing press, without the computer. Because the writings of the apostles produced men who were reproducing. But today, we have a lot of pew-sitters. People think that if they're faithful to church attendance... They put a, a nice offering in the offering plate and they get people to come to church that somehow we've done our part. Church, all of these things are good, but the most important job given to every Christian is to be fruitful and multiply. That's not talking about having babies. That's talking about making disciples. All these other things are incidental to the supreme task of winning a man and woman to Jesus Christ and helping them to grow in their relationship and make disciples themselves. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's where, that's the premise of our entire series right now is learning how to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Christ didn't save us to call other Christians to come sit and be baptized and just sit in our air-conditioned little service. Sit here and you know, we can just raise our hands and feel good about ourselves and go home and nothing transform in our lives. He's saying he's called us to make disciples. It's a continuing process that keeps us spiritually fit. We must can be continually going, growing. It's a costly command, for, but all Christians must go. The same thing happens when we go to the gym. You work out. You don't just, you make that resolution. You go to the gym and you, you, you put in a good workout. You're, man, I feel pumped up. I'm ready to go. And, and you get excited. You, you go out the door and then you're like, all right, I think I've done it. I can take tomorrow. In fact, let's just take a week off. In fact, I feel so good. I'm going to take the entire month off. Of February. I mean, I have killed it in, in, in January. I, and I've lost weight. And come February, I'm just going to sit out and I'm going to take a break. You know what happens by March? You feel like crap. I mean, you are so out of shape. I mean, you ever stop running for a week? Uh, it's almost impossible. I get shin splints on the best of days. And the only way you, you power through it. You keep working. You keep pressing on it. The reality is, is we take breaks and we stop. We get complacent. We get tired. We get worn out. We grow lazy. And we, we lose that fire, the fervor we once had. We must strive every day to get stronger. The same is true in our, our, our faith. We must be growing. And it's true of discipleship making. The, the, the process of disciple making is never finished we ought to be constantly reinvesting and pouring into the lives of others. Then thirdly, I'm going to wrap up. Disciple making requires the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says, Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. His presence and power enables us to continually be that bold witness throughout the ages. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. What is that work? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, To him be glory in the church 
and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. In other words, the only way you can be a bold witness, the only way you can go and proclaim the good news of the, of the, of the is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot go and be the witness God has called us to be without the power of the Holy Spirit worketh in us. And folks, we must be prayed up. Dr. Gary Miller preached here a couple years ago on prayer. And he talked about being, and the word he used was pre-prayed. Not prepared, but pre-prayed. So as we're praying, as we're preparing for what God wants, we're asking God to work in our hearts in such a way, he's preparing a way for us to reach others with the gospel. That's what it's all about. We must prepare through prayer to do the work that God has called us to do. Say, Pastor, what's the application? Easter is nine weeks from today. Who are you going to bring with you? Who are you going to bring with you to church? I'm thankful the church is filling back up. Every single week there are more and more people walking through these doors. And God is building his church Who's going to fill the seat beside you? The feet behind the seat. Who's going to fill all these chairs that are sitting along the back walls as we add in more chairs and we've been adding chairs week after week? Who's going to fill those seats? Who are we going to invite to join us on Easter Sunday? I want you each of us to be praying about who we'll invite to church on Easter Sunday. What might my week look like this week as I carry out Christ's commands to go make disciples? What might my week look like? You see, what happens is, as we're praying, and we start going through the week, God's going to put that coworker that's battling cancer in your path. You will come alongside of them and let them know. I want you to have been praying for you. I want to encourage you. I want to tell you what God has done in my life. I could not even imagine facing some of the things that you faced without a relationship with Jesus. And encouraging them. Coming alongside of a, a parent who's got a child that's they're struggling and they've, they've kind of turned from the faith and they're running from God and saying I want you to know you're not in this alone I'm here God's for you the Holy Spirit he knows the struggles of your heart I want you to know keep on keep fighting I want to help lift your arms up and reduce the, the I want you to go along beside that family member that Maybe it's become estranged for some reason and say, I want you to know that we love you. We still care about you. No matter what's happened, what, it's, it's water under the bridge. And you know what the, hap- the amazing thing is? The God that forgave us of our sins in order to save us, whatever they've done, if they'll come, he'll forgive and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Restores relationships. So restores that right relationship with God. What needs to change this week for me to go from being just a pew sitter 
to getting some skin in the game. Who, I, who am I praying for that God will give me encounters that maybe I've been missing them week after week because I've been so preoccupied or I saw a, a meme this week and it said the same person who's got their hands in the air worshiping 18 minutes later is chewing out a 18 year old waitress at the restaurant on Sunday for lunch. Boy, is that not convicting. What, what if we... God, I want my witness to be such that when people see my life, it's an overflow of what God has been doing all week. How he's been growing me, he's been teaching me, and as I'm prayed up, and as I'm, I'm in the word, and as I'm growing, that my life begins to overflow, and people start asking, Matt said it during our, our pre-service volunteer prayer time, what in the world is God into you? Something is different. We're called a peculiar people for a reason. Because you can't explain it apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. How you can have joy in the midst of great times of trial and discouragement. God can still put a smile on our face. So over the next several weeks, as we learn how to proclaim the gospel message, pray that God would embolden our walk, our worship, and our witness as we seek to fulfill his mission. As you leave the building this morning, I want you to grab one of these resources. Put it in a place that you're going to frequent. Maybe your car. You have it with you. But spend some time looking over it and familiarizing yourself with it. Because as we become more acquainted with the gospel and the verses of the scripture. And as we give you a list next week of, of verses that we want you to commit to memory. As a, as, a, as a follower of Jesus, it gives you confidence as you're sharing. Let me share with you what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Let me tell you that the greatest story ever told is that Jesus loves, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What happens is as we begin to commit verses of scripture, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ as our Lord. But God demonstrated or showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thou shalt shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, what happens is as you begin to learn the scripture, as you begin to pray, God will open up so many opportunities. You'll look back and say, where has this been my entire spiritual journey? Why have I not known this? We're going to equip you next week with, with an app. You're on the phone. Everybody has a phone. You can't say it's not with you because it is at all times. Even it's on your, your Apple Watch or wherever. If people keep hitting there, I'm like, stop. Just stop hitting your watch. But the reality is, is it's right there. It's an opportunity to share what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning?